0: All right, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. We're so glad that you're with us. You know, I know God answers, I know God answers prayer. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's wait. I don't like the wait one, but I like the yeses. How about you? <laughs> well, we had a great celebration last Saturday. We had our Men's No Regrets Conference. We had over 80 guys here. We had churches uh, represented, seven different churches. We had an absolute fantastic Uh, time. We had great speakers, great worship. We had men that rededicated their lives to Christ. Uh, We had men that made commitments um, to continue to grow spiritually. Uh, We ended up the conference after the end of the day with everybody, every guy raising up their arms and uh, surrendering their lives to Christ. It was really, it was an outstanding time. And so uh, I want to just encourage you. I know a lot of guys kept asking me, where's everybody else? It's like, well, invite somebody next time. You know, if you were at No Regrets this year, raise your hand. Hey, thanks for being out here. Uh, Guys, it was really a blessing to have everybody come together. I want to thank all those men uh, that served uh, to make No Regrets happen. Our tech team, we had worship, we had uh, hosting and food, and it took a team of guys uh, coming together to make this event happen. So I'm so grateful for that. We got uh, a couple of different workshops. We had some great speakers um, it was absolutely a fantastic time. So I want to thank uh, you for coming out, for making that event possible. I want to thank uh, Rebecca Suarez. This is her first time doing connections, and so I think she did a fantastic job. So it's always exciting when somebody steps in to try something one time, and she said, "Yeah, I'll give it a shot." I think she did great. So I want to encourage her. So <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, we had Lauren Doherty it was her first time leading worship at Springbrook, so that was cool. Her, and her husband Rick had been at Springbrook for just over a year. She came through Starting Point and uh, stepped out to try uh, a first serve on our worship ministry. And so we get excited when people step in to try something and do a first serve. It is so exciting to see the way that God is building up um, this body of Christ. You know, we are uh, looking forward to um, uh, all that God has for us. We're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit um, this morning, His role in our lives, how He grows us. And uh, we're going to ask him to come into our lives this morning in a fresh new way as we move through the day and through our week. And so I think it's only appropriate that we open in prayer and ask him to uh, be welcomed this morning. Father, I just want to thank you uh, for this day you've given us today. I thank you for the opportunity we have uh, to come together. I know that uh, Jesus' ministry was outdoors and it was under trees, but, man, I am so grateful for our building. It's cold outside, and so God, I thank you that we can come here this morning to worship you, uh, to hear your word, and God, we invite you and your presence uh, in to be with us this morning. God, I pray that you would just pour your spirit out on us. Uh, We look forward to all that you have for us as we step out uh, together, and we just commit this morning to you for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, today we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit topic that uh, has always been interesting to me. I grew up in church, and so I went to church occasionally. And so uh, I believed in God, and we we talked about God in our family. Um, I grew up in a church where there was a little bit of conversations and visiting around the holidays, those kind of things. I did do the sign of the cross a lot, so I always believed in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I had a couple of routines down, uh, but I can remember I was 33 years old when somebody first asked me about who Jesus was, to which I replied, I don't know. <laughs> and so I knew about the Father. I knew about the Son. I knew about the Holy Spirit. But I tell you, having conversations with him and about him were something that just wasn't in my uh, in my vocabulary. So I kind of got freaked out by conversations about Jesus. I don't know. It's been my experience today that even when we talk about Jesus in our neighborhoods, and our workplace, if you don't think that's awkward, when you get to work tomorrow, when you see your neighbor, when you get around some friends next week, ask them, say, hey, you want to talk about Jesus? And so is that kind of awkward for anybody else besides me? <laughs> So it's tough talking to people about Jesus sometimes. You know, we, we have to get things right in our own mind, and we have to think we've got to get it all right. And uh, But talking about Jesus can be difficult. If anybody have a conversation about Jesus last week? You know, every once in a while, uh, God will open up an opportunity for that. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, people had a conversation about the Holy Spirit last week? Anybody talk about the Holy Spirit? Yeah, we have a couple. You know, talking about the Holy Spirit can be something that can be a little bit more difficult. I think we, uh, we talk about God, we can talk about Jesus, but the Holy Spirit... Can be difficult. You know, we have our Father in heaven and He sent His Son. Jesus came from heaven and then returned. And the Holy Spirit came after Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is still here today. That's amazing. I mean, we have Jesus. You know, Pastor Matt did a great job looking at Jesus and how to have a relationship with Him uh, last week. But we know that the central theme in Christianity is that Jesus Christ. As a person has died for our sins, he's been resurrected from the grave, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And so talking about Jesus is important because he's the central figure of our faith. But we have the Holy Spirit with us today, present right here and in our lives. I can't think of anything more important to be talking about other than Jesus than is the Holy Spirit. Because it is him that we have been promised. When Jesus left, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, and he's going to be with you until the very end of the ages. The Holy Spirit is present and active in our lives. And so we're going to look at some characteristics about the Holy Spirit this morning because this is an important topic because it's there that we find spiritual wisdom and truth and guidance, and it is there that we find God's presence in our life um, today. Any good conversation about the Holy Spirit is going to turn to Scripture, right? Everything that we need to know is right in here. So we're going to look at the Holy Spirit. We're going to turn to the very first book of the Bible. If you brought your Bibles with you, you can turn there. The book of Genesis. I think a lot of times people think the Holy Spirit's only in the back half of the book after Jesus returned. But if you look at Genesis chapter 1, in the first two verses of this book, you're going to see the Holy Spirit is present from the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form. It was void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God is present at the very beginning of creation. And what were the conditions like? The earth was without form. It was void. It was dark. It was the face of the deep. I mean, think about the environment there. Hey, kids, we're going on a vacation next week. I don't know where you want to go. I don't know. Let's go someplace that is void and dark and deep. Would you kids freak out about that? <laughs> I don't know where we're going, but it doesn't sound too good. But right there at the very beginning of creation, before there was anything, we see the Spirit of God is present. I find comfort in that. The Spirit of God has been around, has always been around, and He's going to continue to be around. And God brought. Order out of this chaos in creation. You know we know that in the beginning there was God, and God created light. He said, "Let there be light," and light shined into this darkness. We know that God separated the air and the water, and then He separated those things. And then He put plants on the land, and then He put the stars in the heavens, and then He put the birds in the air, and the fish in the water, and then He put living creatures on earth, on land, and then He rested. It's a great thing. And the Holy Spirit was there during the whole time that the world was brought into creation. Colossians chapter 1 says this about Jesus, that all things were created in him, by him, and through him. And so we know that Jesus was present at creation. We know the Holy Spirit was present in creation. And we know that God is the author and the father of us all, and he was present in the beginning of creation. And so Genesis chapter 1 says the Spirit was right there from the beginning. And so we have a lot to learn from just looking at what all of Scripture has to say about the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit, uh, the Hebrews would call rukah. That's, that's God's personal presence. And, and rukah is, uh, is Hebrew for spirit, and it's like, it's like wind. It's invisible. You can't see it. But it's powerful. And so when you look at that Holy Spirit word, it's a theme that goes throughout all of Scripture where you see the presence of God and the presence of His Spirit. In fact in Genesis chapter one and verse twenty six, it says this about creation. When God said, Let us make man it when you look at the word God, typically we see that. We know that there's one God. And then the English word the English word and and, and, and other languages, English is is probably the most complex language to learn. So what I've heard. There's just, there's too many idiosyncrasies about it. And so if I were to say to you, for example, hey, I've got a fish, or look at the fish. How many fish am I talking about? If I say look at the fish, it means one. But if I say look at the fish, how many does that mean? Is it one? Is it two? How many are in the word fish? It doesn't necessarily communicate number, does it? But if I say look at that fish, then that means one. If I say look at those fish, then it means many. Right. So we use a lot of words in English to try to convey our point. It just gets, you know, I, I, I get tripped all over English. I don't know. English grammar was not my favorite subject. But if you look at how Scripture talks about who God is, when they wrote in the Old Testament, they used words imagery, but then they also use forms and tenses. And so when you look at this word God, you might see singular, but it's a plural form. And so it's a plural form to God. So that God is singular, it's Elohim, there's one God, but it's in a plural form. In other words, there's, there's one, but there's a plurality to it. And then it says, then God, this plural form says, let us make men in our image. So we've got one God with a plural form that says us. We know that there's one God, but we also know that there's multiple facets to who he is. We call those persons. And so throughout the Bible, we see God expressed in terms of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see one God in three persons, and we call that the Trinity, and it looks like this. In the Trinity, we have one God, and the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. But they are all three different. The Father is not the Son. They are different. They have different roles. The Son is not the Spirit. They have different roles. And the Holy Spirit is not the Father. They have different roles, but yet they are all equally God. And I tell you, if somebody had said, hey, Richard, we're going to get together and we're going to write a book, this is not how I would start. So I know that the Trinity sometimes can be a difficult, you know, thing to grasp. It can be a difficult, you know, concept. But as you look all throughout Scripture, you see the plurality of God, and you see that there's one God that is sovereign over all things. And it's important for us to understand these different roles, because we know that it's important for us to have a relationship with the Son. That's different than our relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. So we understand that we relate to God differently. And so we want to look this morning at how to relate to the Holy Spirit. That's an important part of how we can know how to relate and know how to have a relationship um, with God. They're all equal, but they are different. For example, we pray to the Father. You know, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who are in heaven, right? So we pray to the Father, and then we pray through Jesus. And so Jesus hears us, and we have one mediator between us, us and God, and so we pray to the Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, and we pray under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 says, if you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit will intercede on your behalf. And so we pray to the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever wondered why at the end of a prayer somebody says, in Jesus' name, amen? Well, that's because we're praying in His name. We're praying to the Father through the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that informs how we relate to our Heavenly Father. It informs how we have a relationship with Him, and it informs our understanding of how to relate to and depend on the Holy Spirit. We know that the Father has a plan. Jesus submitted Himself to the Father's plan. He says that in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Father has a plan. He has a plan. The Son is executing, and we have the Holy Spirit guiding us um, today. We know that John 6, says this about the Father. We know that the Father is the one that draws people to himself. John 6, says, this is Jesus saying, no one can come to me unless what? Unless the Father draws him to me, and then I will raise him up on the last day. And so if I have been drawn into a relationship with Christ, I have the assurance of salvation, I have made Jesus the Lord of my life, I know that when Jesus returns, that I'm going to be risen on that last day and spent eternity with my heavenly Father and with the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so it's the Spirit of God that's drawing people to himself. So we have the Father, we have the Son, we have the Holy Spirit. They're all God, but they all serve very different roles. One God, three persons, different roles. And the reason that is important is is because it is the role of the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us and fill us it's the Holy Spirit. If we're Christians, if we're Christ followers, we have asked the Holy Spirit to come into our life, and it is there that we find the strength. It's there where we find wisdom. It's there where we find everything that we need that God would have for us to complete us. You know, we know that the Holy Spirit is external in the life of somebody that does not have a relationship with Christ, and so if you have never asked Christ, Christ to come into your life, if you've never invited the Holy Spirit into your life, then you need to know that the Holy Spirit is not in you. He's externally outside of you. And he is drawing you into a relationship with himself. And so this morning, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit has brought you here so that you could hear about your need for a relationship with Christ and have an opportunity to invite him to come in. That's how the Holy Spirit works. When a person makes a faith commitment, They ask Christ to come into their life, the Holy Spirit comes in, and the Holy Spirit is in you. And so the Holy Spirit is either external in your life or he is internal in your life. Does that make sense? And so knowing who the Holy Spirit is is really, really important. And so we talk to people about inviting Christ into their life. A lot of people will say, you want to invite God into your life. And so there can be a little bit of confusion when we use these words, because sometimes we use them interchangeably because they're all God. But it is the Spirit of God The Spirit of God, as we know, is the Father that is drawing people to the Son. And it's a work of the Holy Spirit. So when we're praying for somebody like my son or my nephew, we're praying that the Spirit of God would draw them to himself. If you've got somebody that you know that doesn't have a relationship with Christ and you're praying for them, you want to pray that the Father would send his Spirit into their life to draw them into a relationship with yourself. So what we know about the Spirit should inform how we pray and it should inform how we live out our lives. You know, God's Ruach, His, His Holy Spirit, gives us power. And so we know that the Spirit of God is powerful. It was there at the very beginning of creation. I love to talk to scientists that talk about the Big Bang, and it's like, okay, well, I'll give you the Big Bang. You know, but I can imagine that was a pretty powerful event. Who do you think did it? <laughs> you know, God is powerful. He's all-powerful, and He spoke creation into existence. And so God's spirit, his rukah, it guides us and directs us and it empowers us to live out the lives that God has called us to live out. And we see a difference in the Old Testament and the New Testament with regard to how his spirit plays itself out in our lives. We know that the Holy Spirit indwells us now as believers. But when you look back at the Old Testament, um, those men and women um, their faith, it was based on their works. And so it was through their obedience, it was through their keeping the law that they found right standing before God. Today, um, we, it is through God's grace, through faith in Christ that we're made right and we can stand before God. So there's a little bit of a difference between the way that the Holy Spirit works in the Old Testament and how he works in the New Testament today. So it's important that we know those differences. In the Old Testament, we see the Spirit of God very much at work, very much in work in the lives of the people that he's called into himself. We see that in Joseph. Uh, Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers. Um, he's captured. He's working with some cupbearers. But God, it says in in, uh, in in Genesis chapter 40 and verse 41, uh, it says that God's Spirit gave Joseph the ability to interpret dreams. And so we see that the Holy Spirit entered into Joseph and gave him the ability to, to interpret dreams. And so we see very much the ability that God... Um, his spirit gives people to accomplish his plans in the Old Testament. We know that um, Bezalel uh, in Exodus chapter 31, it says that God's spirit entered into him and gave him the power to make these great gifts and instruments for the tabernacle. And so everything that was built in the tabernacle in the Old Testament came through Bezalel, whose spirit God entered into to enable him to do these things. And so we see God's spirit kind of selectively working through the lives of people in the Old Testament, Um, accomplishing his plans in ezekiel chapter 2 ezekiel has made himself available he's standing quietly before god and it says the spirit of god entered into him stood him up on his feet and gave him the words to speak to his people and so we see all throughout the old testament that god's spirit entered into the prophets so that they could see things from god's perspective interpret those things and provide guidance Um, to his people. And so the spirit of God is alive in the work of all these Old Testament prophets. And so when you're reading down through the Old Testament, you see all these books named after these different prophets. These are men that God's spirit entered into, that he gave them words to speak for his word. That's why when we look at all of the scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all of scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, for reproof, and for righteousness so that we can be equipped for every good work that God has for us. God's spirit entered into those men, And, uh, you know, I'm talking to guys, well, men wrote those words. It's just a man's book. Well, no, it's not just a man's book. Those are men that God's Spirit entered into, and God gave them the words for us to hear. And we have those words now so that we can hear what God has for us today. And so all of Scripture is God-breathed. That's what it means. It's (sighs) God-breathed. God's Spirit entered into these men to give us these words uh, to speak so that we might know how to have a right relationship with God. And so when you're reading through Scripture, you're reading God-inspired, god breathed words so that we can know how to have a right relationship um, with God. And so these prophets, as you're reading through the Old Testament, they are all looking forward to a time when the Spirit of God is going to come, is going to fall on everyone, and he's going to make all things right. So we know that at the beginning of creation, uh, we had Adam and Eve present. They're in God's presence. His Spirit's there. The Son's there. The Father's there. God in all His fullness is in relationship with Adam and Eve. And we know that sin enters into the world, and the fall happens. And now all of a sudden, God's removed His presence from us. But we have His Word. And today we have his Holy Spirit, so God is still present in us, but it's in a different form than it was in the the Old Testament. And as you're reading through the Old Testament, there's this constant view of the future that the prophets are giving us about a time when God is going to restore all things and make them new. Ultimately, as you're reading down through the book of Revelation, we know that Christ is going to return. People that have a relationship with him are going to be brought into the relationship with him for all eternity. Those that don't are going to be separated uh, from him for all eternity. We call that heaven and hell today. And uh, we're going to spend eternity in one of those places based on what we do with Jesus Christ today. So it's really important that we understand who the Father is. It's really important that we understand, you know, who he is, how to have a relationship with him, who Jesus is, and where the work of the Holy Spirit is in this. But we see, uh, you know, throughout the Old Testament, all the prophets are looking forward to a point at which the Spirit would come and make all things right, would make all things new. And so centuries would pass, as you're reading through the Old Testament, centuries would pass before we meet Jesus. And Jesus' ministry would be established, and he would be established as the final king, the last prophet. He is the firstborn, and he's also the end. Everything comes to its fullness in who Christ is. And if you weren't with us last week, I'd encourage you to listen to Pastor Matt's message on, online. Uh, Pastor Matt looked at what does it mean for Jesus, to, to have, to, for him to be Lord And so we know him as a savior, but Matt looked specifically at what it means to have Jesus as our Lord and King. And so if you missed that, I encourage you to look it up. But at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, uh, we have Jesus there. God's Ruach, his his Holy Spirit, would be what enables Jesus' ministry um, to begin. We see all of these things come together. We have the Old Testament, Old Covenant. We have the New Testament, New Covenant. All these things hinge around the beginning of Jesus' ministry when we see him baptized by John in chapter 3 of the book of Matthew. In verse 16, it says this. Jesus went down to be baptized. And not like we get baptized because Jesus was without sin, so he didn't need to get baptized from that perspective. But his baptism had everything to do about establishing his ministry. And so he went down into the, uh, the Jordan with, with uh, John. He was baptized. He came up out of the water, and then look what happens. The heavens opened up. And we see the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on Jesus. And so now we see this ruach. We see this. We see the Spirit of God coming down and descending and resting on the Son. And so now you see the Father and says, Behold, the voice from heaven says, This is my beloved Son, in who I am well pleased. And so you see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all come together at this point in Jesus' ministry to establish the new kingdom and what God has for us in this new relationship with Christ. And so we see the Spirit of God descends on Jesus, and uh, we see the Father say, uh, in him I am well pleased. All three persons of the Trinity are present at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And it's important because that Spirit of God is what will continue to come and guide us and direct us after Jesus um, ascends into heaven. And so baptism is something that is important to us. From a, uh, at Springbrook, we find that throughout the New Testament, All believers are baptized. When we get baptized today, it's uh, in response to uh, asking the Holy Spirit into our lives. We make faith commitments. As you look through the New Testament, every believer that makes a faith commitment, they become Christians, get baptized. And baptism is a symbol of a covenant relationship that we have with Christ. You know, my wife and I have been married now for 35 years, and I stood before God and I took my ring off. (gasps) Am I not married? Am I married now because I took my ring off? You know, this ring does not <laughs> i 'm still married it 's not that this ring makes me married or not married it 's a symbol of a covenant that my wife and I made before God, and so in the same way, uh, when you look through the New Testament, when people ask um, you know, they ask Christ to come into our life, Christ comes in, the Holy Spirit comes in, the Holy Spirit is no longer external, he comes into the life of a believer, and the Holy Spirit now rests on every believer. So I have the Holy Spirit in me now when I make a faith commitment he 's no longer on the outside. His his breath, His Holy Spirit has come into me. The old is gone. The new is here. I'm a new creation. And this ring is a symbol of my covenant relationship with my wife, just like baptism is a covenant relationship uh, with me as it relates to my relationship with Christ. So baptism is really important. It's a symbolic point at which the Holy Spirit has entered into us. It doesn't make the Holy Spirit enter into us. It doesn't save me or not save me, but it is a symbol of the relationship that I have Uh, With Christ, and so Jesus, after he is put to death, God's Spirit raises him from the grave. He comes back to life, uh, and he is transformed. And through his ministry, is going to make all things new. But what's really neat about this is uh, when Jesus first comes back to life, um, he rejoins his disciples. So the Spirit of God has uh, raised Jesus from the grave, and he's with his disciples. And, uh, you know, they've had some meals together. He's rejoined them. And then in John chapter 20, uh, it says this. Jesus is with the disciples and he says, peace be with you. I know this has been a tumultuous time. I know there's a lot of things you're probably distraught about. You know, in this world, we're going to have trials and tribulations. uh, But you know that in me, we can find peace. And so he's giving, he's passing on peace to them. He says, peace be with you. And then he says this, as the Father has sent me, so I am going to be sending you. And then it says this, when he had said this, he breathed on them, rock, his spirit, his spirit, he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit has now been transferred on to these believers. And so if you are a Christ follower today, if you ask Christ to come into your life, the Holy Spirit is in you. And so he's no longer external. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. That's why you're a temple to, this new, to, to, to God. You no longer have to do animal sacrifices to have a relationship with God. You've got the Holy Spirit in you, and I am so glad because if it hadn't been for this event, you would have all had to bring cattle with you this morning and goats, and I'd be up here cutting them up and we'd be slinging blood everywhere. Aren't you glad we got this? <laughs> we have a new relationship with God now. We have a new relationship with our Father. It's through His Son, and it's because of the Holy Spirit now that we can be found in right relationship with him. And so we ask the Holy Spirit to come in and take resonance in our lives. We are new. You know, we are a new creation. The Holy Spirit is now hovering in the dark places of this world, and we are the light that shines into the dark places. We have this Holy Spirit now in us to enable others to come into and understand how to have a relationship with us. Who we are together is who God's designed us to be as a part of the body of Christ. And he is still Shining his light into dark places. He is still pointing people to Jesus so they can explore, find, and experience new life. That's called transformation. And when you are a Christ Father, when the Holy Spirit enters into you, you are continually going to be transformed. That's what the Christian life is all about. It's continuing to grow. The Holy Spirit is continuing to grow us. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. But the Holy Spirit is here right now. We just need to invite him into our lives, and we need to be completely dependent on him as we live out our faith. That's what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 1 when he says, we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds as we meditate on Scripture. God is constantly changing us and growing us. Has anybody figured out that this is a journey that we're on that you never quite get there? I mean, I'm still learning about the Holy Spirit. I mean, we're constantly going to be learning. The Christian life is, is not just learning. You know when you stop learning about Jesus? When do you stop learning? When a, class, when a casket closes. That's, that's when you stop. <laughs> you know, if you are living and you are breathing right now, God is continually transforming. You are constantly learning. We're constantly being conformed in, into the image of likeness. God is working in and through us. We're constantly being transformed. And that's what, this, that's what this is all about. It's about letting the Holy Spirit transform us and guide us. And so the Holy Spirit is very much alive and very much at work in in our lives, in our church, and our ministry. And that's what we get together to celebrate and encourage each other on. Every one of us is on a spiritual journey, and we're all at different places, and we never stop growing. You know, I've got some friends here at Springbrook, and they have been married 40, 50, 60 years. I love talking to people that have been believers for 40, 50, 60 years. I figure I've got something to learn from them, right? I asked somebody I know has had a faith walk for a long time. I said, uh, hey, have you got marriage all figured out yet? (laughs) Nope. How about Jesus? You still learning about Jesus? Yep. And so you, you never stop growing in your relationship with your spouse, with your family. You never stop growing in your relationship with God either. God is constantly working in and through us. And so we are all on a spiritual journey. And it does not matter where you are, recognized or not, The Spirit of God is out here. He's alive and working. And if you don't have the Spirit of God in you, then God's drawing you into a relationship with Christ. There are some people that are not interested in having a discussion about who Jesus is. They're not interested in talking about God, and that's okay, because the Spirit of God is still at work there, right? So God is always at work in the life of someone, whether or not they have a relationship with Christ. But when we do have a relationship with Christ, it's there that we experience the power and all that God has for us. And so on the inside of your program, there's a little spiritual journey. God, I want to invite you to take that out with me for a moment. And uh, every single one of us is at a different place, and so this is about the time in my life 25 years ago that I would have just elbowed my wife and said, you take it out, I don't need that. We're all at different places, and it doesn't matter whether you're married or not. If you're married, you and your wife or your spouse are probably at different places in your spiritual journey, and that's okay because we can encourage each other. I definitely, definitely married up, so I'll just say that right now. So my wife was instrumental in helping me to kind of grow my spiritual journey, and now we're growing together. Um, But, you know, we're all at different places, and so I want you to look at this for a moment. I want you to see if you can see about where you might fall on this scope of this continuum. I figure that there's nobody that's not interested here. Is there anybody here that just really got dragged here? (laughs) I talk to people that's like, you know, if you're not interested in Jesus, you know, know, I typically would know that really quick. We we probably don't have anybody here that's not interested. Um, That's good for you. Leave me alone. There's a lot of people that are hostile. Towards Christianity, we engage a lot of hostility with some of our advertising <laughs> regrets. So I was really surprised by that. there's a lot of people that are hostile towards Christianity. Um, if you're here today and you're hostile towards Christianity, praise God. I am so glad you're here. I'd love to talk with you after the service. We're glad you're here. This church is for anybody, regardless of where they are on their spiritual journey. So sometimes people come in here, they might be hostile towards God, they've got questions. Sometimes people come in and they want to know more. And so if you are if you're seeking or if you're kind of wondering, maybe you have some misconceptions about Christianity. Um, If that's where you are, and and you still have questions about how to have a relationship with Christ, I am so glad you are here. That's why we exist, is to help people to come in and explore and learn about who Jesus is. And if you've made a faith commitment, if if you've experienced that Ruha, that Spirit of God coming into your life, if you've asked Christ to come into your life and you are a Christ follower, we're glad you're here. You've made a faith commitment, and now we want to help you to grow and experience continued growth. And so... A person will start off their spiritual journey by embracing the spiritual tenets of Christianity. That's what Pastor Matt taught on last week, how to have a relationship with Christ. If you prayed last week to receive Christ, we want to celebrate that with you. And so you can uh, indicate that on your bulletin today. Uh, anybody that made a faith commitment here at Springbrook, we get excited when people make faith commitments. You know why? Because the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices over one sinner repents. When one person makes a faith commitment, the entire all of heaven celebrates. It's a huge deal when somebody makes a faith commitment. So we get excited about that. We want to celebrate that with you. So if you have questions about how to have a faith commitment, on the back of that little handout, there's a little prayer that you can um, that you can pray. And you know, right now, the Holy Spirit is external. He's drawing you into a relationship with Himself. And if you want a relationship with Christ, you know what you have to do? Ask. Just let Him in. You know, Revelation says, I stand at the door and knock. Just let Him in. It's like somebody's knocking on your front door wanting to come in. And I, so many people don't want to let the door open. You know, they just like, ugh, there's too much. I, I don't know this, I don't know that. You know, all you have to do is ask Christ to come into your life, and the Holy Spirit will come in, and you'll be saved. And so that's all it, that's all it is. It's, it's a, <sighs> surrendering your will and breathing God's in. You know, it's, it's about submitting yourself to the Father's plan, not yours. It's about living your life for Him, not for yourself. And so it's really simple. And so if you want to pray that prayer today, I'd love the opportunity to talk with you about that. There's a prayer on the back that you can pray. You made a faith commitment last week with Matt. We want to celebrate that with you. But a faith commitment is the most important decision that you can make in this life. I don't know. I think I might live to be, Psalm 90, 10 says 70, 80. I always claim 80. I'm going to go for the long shot, right? I'm thinking maybe 90, 100. I don't know. Somebody passed away, the oldest man, I think, on uh, the globe passed away. It was 121 recently. I, but do you know anybody that lived to be 130? How long do you plan on living? 100? Let's say 130. Let's be generous. Where are you going to spend eternity? That's a long time. And it all hinges on what you do with Christ. And so that faith commitment is the most important decision that you can make in this life, is what to do with Jesus. And so if you have questions about that, if we can help you with that, you will let us know. And then once you do that, that's where where the growth begins. You know, we want to help people to adjust. You know, when I became a Christ follower, I had to get all new friends. (laughs) All my old friends were still inviting me to places I shouldn't have been. I'd be standing there going, ugh. I'm a Christian now. I don't know if I should be doing this. <laughs> I had to make some adjustments in my life, beginning with who I hung out with. I mean, the only Christians I knew when I made a faith commitment were the guys that I had met at church. And so I had to go through an adjusting period. I had to buy a Bible and start reading the Bible. You know, that's why I love small groups. Small groups, we get together. It's all about adjusting and growing in your faith. It's about becoming and learning and being all that God has for you. Then we move to stabilizing and reproducing. And it looks like this. So we've got a couple of different next steps I just wanted to talk briefly about. In John 16, 8, it says it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to convict us of sin. And so I know a lot of times people think, you know, oh, they're just going to tell me what, what, you know, they're going to point at me and tell me. It's not us. You know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit convicts the world regarding sin. And so. It's, it's right there. That's, that's his job. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. So if somebody's feeling tension, it's from the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts us of the fact that we need a relationship with Christ. When we say to somebody, hey, you're a sinner and you need Jesus. Okay, well, help me with that. <laughs> what do you mean I'm a sinner? Well, that's, this is God's design. We're all fallen, And so it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to convict people of sin, not mine. I mean, it does me no good to walk up and say, hey, you're a sinner, you need Jesus. Oh, okay, yeah, good luck with that. That's not how that works. We have to help people understand who God is. He's perfect. He wants a relationship with us, and we're fallen and we're broken, and it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to convict people of sin. And then the Father will draw people to himself, and so that's the role of the Holy Spirit, is to convict people of sin and righteousness and how to have a relationship with him. In Romans ten nine, it says this, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be what? Saved. Saved from what? Well, from this messed up, fallen, broken world. I'll be saved from the fact that, hey, when Christ comes back, I'm not going to be in in God's presence. I want to be saved from this mess that we're in. I mean, when you look around, is there any doubt that this world is fallen and broken and messed up? It's not. But that's not God's original design. And if we want to pursue God's original design for us and being in his presence with his spirit, then we have to confess that Jesus is Lord. We have to believe in his heart that God raised him from the dead and we will be saved. That's embracing. It's embracing the tenets of the faith. It's asking Christ to come into our life, the Holy Spirit to come into us and guide us and direct us. And so embracing is, might be where you are this morning. If that's where you are, we are so glad you're here. We know that John 26 says that the Holy Spirit will teach us and remind us of everything that we need to know. John 14, 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach, the the things that you can't see. The Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. What did Jesus say to us? Well, we have to come over here to see what Jesus said to us. And so this is where we study and we live out God's Word. And the Holy Spirit guides us and directs us in all truth. And so when you're reading the Bible and you're saying, hey, what does that mean? The Holy Spirit is guiding you so that you can learn and know everything that God has for you. And there he will teach you everything. That's what Scripture is for. God breathed, useful for teaching and for correction and training us up in righteousness. And so the Holy Spirit will teach us and guide us. We call that you know, adjusting. In uh, 1 Corinthians verse 4, of chapter 12, it says there's different kinds of gifts, but the same Holy Spirit that does what? Distributes gifts. You realize that if you are a believer, if you've asked Christ to come in your life, if you have the Spirit in you, then the Holy Spirit has given you a spiritual gift. And so you can, you know. You know that's that's how that works. The Holy Spirit's the one that gives us gifts. I can say, wow! I I sure wish I could. I wish I could sure. I wish I could teach like these guys. Or man, I wish I could. I wish. I, I mean, we're so busy comparing ourselves to other people that we can't embrace who we are individually. I mean, are you comfortable with who you, God has created you to be? I watch my wife with those kids, and and she's got a whole set separate, separate gifts than I do. And so uh, you can put me back in children's ministry, uh, but. We're going to have a really good time for about ten minutes, and then Richard's going to be going. What do we do now? <laughs> you know that gift. You know there's different gifts that God has given us. Or if you put me up on the worship team and hand me that guitar, it's not. It's not going to go well. And so I can. I can want. Oh, I can want. To, I can want to play this guitar. Oh, I wish I could play the guitar like they play. I wish I could sing like like Roger sings. I, I. mean, I can be walking around wishing I was like somebody else. But that's that's not how God's created me. You know, God created you that way. The Holy Spirit's the one that gives gifts, and we, we get stabilized when we come to understand our role and what God has for us in the body of Christ. And then we know in Acts 1.8, it says that the Holy Spirit's going to give us power. The Holy Spirit gives us power to be witnesses. Well, I can't talk to people about Jesus. I don't know what to say. That's fine. You don't have to say anything. That's good news because the Holy Spirit will do it for you. The Holy Spirit is where we get our power to share what God's doing in our lives. The Holy Spirit gives us power and enables us to share and influence on the people around us. That's the Holy Spirit's role, to give us power to do what we need to do. That same power that spoke the world into existence is in us and available to us to accomplish all that God has for us. John 17 verse 8 says this, Jesus says, as I have You've, as the Father has sent me into the world, so I'm sending them into the world. So you, we are reproducing ourselves. We're to be reproducing ourselves. We're, we would be in the world helping others to come to know who Jesus is, to grow in their faith, to be a part of what God has for us together. And that's a reproduction. It's a circle. And so it's not linear. I love our discipleship pathway. I love that circle. You know, Pastor Dan and I, we talk about that circle all the time. It's just a great circle. You know, the, faith is, the Christian faith is not linear. not linear. It needs to come back around and influence people around us. Discipleship is not complete in you until you have come back around and started influencing the people around you. So when we talk about making disciples, we think about ourselves and we think literally, it does not get completed until you have reproduced yourself and come around and had influence on people around you. We call that living a multiplied or reproduced life. And so every one of us is on a different place in our spiritual journey. And so we want to help you take your next step and so uh, I want to invite you to uh, uh, think about where you were on that continuum, and let us know how we can help you. If you are still have questions about who Jesus is, and that's something we can help you with, I'd love to talk with you about that. Unfortunately, in your bulletin, uh, circle number one was, circle number two was for Kids Hope, and circle number one was for baptism. I think so. The numbers one through four were already taken, so I had to go with seven through ten. <laughs> so. On your program, or on the tell that welcome slip-off, there's a series of numbers across the top. And so if you want to know more about how to embrace the Christian faith, if you made a faith commitment last week or you want to make a faith commitment today, you can circle the number seven. I'd love to pray with you after the service. Uh, you can circle number seven. Or hey, back on the back of that, says, uh, it says, I want a relationship with Christ. You know, just just let us know how we can help you with that. Because that's the first step of a Christian's walk is embracing the truths of biblical Christianity, understanding the relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if you want to know more about that, you can circle seven. Or maybe you've made a faith commitment um, and you're still trying to figure out how do I grow in my faith. Uh, If we can help you get connected to a small group, if we can resource you and help you to start to grow and learn, um, you can circle the number eight. And if you don't know your spiritual gifts, if you're trying to find a place to serve here at Springbrook, you can circle number nine. And if you are ready to duplicate yourself, if you want more Richards or more Bobs or more Sarahs. If you, if you look at your life and say, hey, I, I want to influence others. So I, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And so if you want to influence the lives of others, we'd love to talk to you about that. We have a leadership gathering coming up. We have a leadership team. We have leaders in ministry. And we'd love to help you get connected so that you can begin to influence the lives of others. And so we want to help you to live this transformed life. You know, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. And throughout every one of those stages, the Holy Spirit is constantly growing us in working with us. And so all we have to do is ask him to come into our lives. And so I'd like to invite you this morning to just ask him to come into your life so that you can experience more of what he has for you as you step out into this day into next week. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you for the gift of your son. I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. I am excited about who I am in Jesus but, man, we have the Holy Spirit alive and in us and around us today. And so, God, help us to be able to experience uh, more of your presence. And I know that you came and you sent your son so that we could have life and have it to the full. I pray for the fullness of life in our lives and for this church. We look forward to all that you have for us together. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.